Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. My minor was in Native Studies, and there wasn't a lot of courses there available that were Cherokee history specific. Um, it was colonial history. It was it was basically just a history degree. For too long, it's been neglected, and I just think that that's something that's wrong with America. You see all those paintings of Columbus's ships pulling up. You see those people on that hill. He didn't discover it. There were people already here. We all are people who come from these same communities and we all have to be kind with each other and we all have to be together to save what is left of us, our language and our culture. Hello, hello out there. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so excited to be speaking with language advocate and filmmaker Sean Duncan. His film, We Will Speak, is screening at the Provincetown Film Festival this coming week. And so I'm very pleased to be talking about this beautiful film I saw twice. Thank you so much for being with us here. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me here. We Will Speak centers on people vested in saving and revitalizing the Cherokee language, and it screens at Water's Edge Cinema Thursday, June 15th at 3.30 and also Saturday, June 17th at 6 p.m. Part one of your documentary is called Treat Each Other's Existence as Being Sacred or Important. The Indian residential schools did the opposite, separated children from their families, aimed at killing the language and culture of indigenous people. Indian history is American history. It's an honor to live in these lands. And that is what a big takeaway for me was. I'm here coming to you from Wampanoag and Nauset land. But that's, I think that needs to be part of our language and understanding. It's something to attune ourselves to. And it's a beautiful film and it helps people, I think, understand that. So Cherokee Nation has been here since the end of the last ice age, correct? Yeah, the Cherokee people have, yeah. Right, the Cherokee people. So tell us about how you came to documenting these personal stories within this revitalization effort to save the Cherokee language. Myself, I'm a Cherokee language activist, and I right now I currently teach in a public school. I teach Cherokee in a public school. And so to me, this is my community. And so I get to see these people every day around the year, probably summer 2019, we, I had met these two guys and they had um, been doing documentaries about um, language in general. And so they did a couple documentaries that involved just different types and aspects of language. And they got really interested in Sequoia, who is the inventor of our written language. And um, you can still kind of see that in the film a little bit. But when I met them, they had went to North Carolina. They had met TJ Holland. And he was an amazing um just uh he just knew so much about culture and history and he kind of sent them our way and then 
I saw that they were interviewing people and I really wanted as many people who are from our community to be in those interviews because I just believe so wholeheartedly that if um, we don't tell our story, other people are going to. And so I feel like we needed to be in those moments. And so I took an interview with them. I said a bunch of things that I think they probably had not heard yet from people. And I said, if you want to know more, let's meet back. So we did a meeting that evening and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I said, I know the people who are doing this work. I know uh, what's going on. I know the people who aren't being put on a platform. And so let's just, let's show the world and let's um, record the true story of these communities and of the communities that I grew up in. And so we got involved with Kelly, who I'd known since high school. She's an amazing Cherokee artist. Um, Carolyn, who was in, she was just now joining the language program and I was like on my way out. She used to work with children in the ICWA system, the Indian child welfare system. And so I had known her through um, just different other places and it just kind of became this big, amazing story. And Hopefully uh, it comes across as something of the community because that's what the heart of it was, was our community and just finding a way to put it on film. In the film, you say for second language learners, learning Cherokee requires reprogramming for your brain. I would love for you to talk about that. (laughs) So I think um, any language learner probably feels this way about whatever language um, they're learning that if once you get into a language, it's like you have to take on a new personality, a new worldview. A language is a worldview in a sense. And that's what creates the culture from that language is the way that that language and that community sees the world. It all becomes encoded in how they communicate with each other. And so that's true for Cherokee too. If you have only spoke English your whole life, it's an abrupt change. If you go into the way that Cherokee sees the world. Things like when you say, uh, my brother, you know, in English, you kind of like, that's my brother. I own my brother. You know, it's mine. You know, Um, that relationship is mine. But in Cherokee, a lot of times you'll say, which means me and him are brothers. And so it's almost like you have an equal partnership and it's something that you're doing together. And so things, just small things like that, you have to really reprogram the way that you think about your relationships, the world other things in the world, whether that's nature, whether that's your community, whether that's the place you come from, um, your elders, it's just a whole different way of seeing the world. And because I grew up in my community, I kind of already had a little bit of that worldview. So sometimes it, it might have seemed a little, it might be seen easier for people who come from the community. But yeah, it still was a, a shift for me because there are things that I felt like I knew about my community, but when it became apparent that it was also embedded in our language, I was like, oh, that's why we we think that way. Or that's why I say it this way, even in English, you know? And so it's a, it's a cool thing. And I think that most languages do is they give you their worldview when they give you their knowledge. And it, it, I think it, I think any language has the ability to change your brain chemistry and make how you see the world different. I think when someone isn't native to a language or isn't familiar with the language at all, when you hear it, it sounds melodic and you hear the different intonations and different melodies that maybe you wouldn't pick up on on your, in your own language, right? Just speaking of Cherokee, like it's, um, there are two things I hear most about it, which are the hardest aspects of it is that it's a tonal language. And I think, I think they say we have seven tones, which is like even more than Mandarin. 
And then it's also um, polysynthetic, which means it's like agglutinative, which means every word is made up of multiple parts. So you have like your different parts of the word. And that's very different than how English works. And so that's another way that you reprogram your brain is that when you create a thought, you're not creating, you know, little tiny pieces that you're going to put into a logical sentence. You're also going to actually put pieces together to make one word <laughs> and it's going to be one giant word. And you you get to see that on screen when we talk about our values. There's these giant words that first language speaker Marlene Ballard, she just so gracious to say them for us in the film. These giant words that mean these beautiful values that we put on the, in the screen. And so, yeah, you get to see a little bit, a bit of that in action in the film. But yeah, it when you're learning it and you're making it happen from your brain to your mouth, it becomes a big adventure and, you know, a hill you really have to climb and really be invested in. Having first language learners is part of the goal of this language reclamation. A lot of families lost that connection years ago with the Indian schools. Yeah. So I think the goal of any language revitalization effort should be to create first language speakers that's a lot easier said than done. You have to not only create an environment outside in the community where the language is valued and the language is needed and the language is used daily, but also you have to create an insular in the home environment. So the family also has to be bought in and really not, I wouldn't say regulate, but really value the language in a way where it's the home language. And so there are a lot of ways in which people are trying to do that. It's a hill you have to climb and it's something that people have to commit to. And there are people who are doing it, but we still have probably a couple more years before we really see the fruit, the fruits of that labor. And so I can't wait to see it. I, I can't wait to see just a baby talking Cherokee. And, you know, that's their first language. That's not like the language they learned after English. And it'll be a totally different world when that happens. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the Durban Feeling Language Center, which opened last November? The Durban Feeling Language Center is a center. It's the the Cherokee Nation's Cherokee Language Center called the Durban Feeling Center, named after the most well-known Cherokee linguist. He was an amazing first language speaker, and he committed his life to making sure that the Cherokee language would continue on. Um, Sadly, we recently lost him, but everything that he did really set the foundation for the work that most people do. Uh, Most language learners know about the Durban Filling Dictionary and they read his papers and you um, just really, this guy, he set the foundation for what we are being able to to do today. So they named this uh, language center after him. It's probably the first time that all of the language programs have been housed in the same area. For the longest time, most language programs were housed. Translation was here, you know, um, adult immersion was here, immersion schools were over there. This is the first time that all the language centers are in kind of housed in the same center. And so they get to lean on each other more. They get to, you know, help each other. They get to um, have some overlap. And so the immersion school that's there, I believe they are working on a baby immersion. So I think kids as young as maybe six weeks, I'm not sure on that, but very young are going to be able to come to this language center and hear the language as soon as, you know, mama will allow them to leave the house. (laughs) And that's, that's going to be awesome. How can folks become involved with this revitalization effort. Um, there's probably some fundraising that goes on, right? Oh, yeah. Um, there's so much um, work that's being done by not just Cherokees, but by every 
I think, indigenous group, every indigenous tribe, if you look into anybody's ancestry, there's probably a language there that needs help. Us specifically, you know, we're still trying to get the word out. And so we we still raise funds on our website at blurrypictures.com. But everything else, I would suggest most people just go and, and find, you know, what is that movement that's happening in your area? What is that What is that group, that, that minority group and that minority language group specifically that may need your help? The United Nations named this decade the decade of indigenous languages because there's such an emphasis on the languages that are fading out and that we don't want that to happen. Um, and so I, I suggest anybody to find, you know, that community that they can also lend an ear, a hand to. And maybe if you build the right relationships, you can also lend your tongue and learn the language as well. And so that's what I hope that people get from this film is that they, this is a, a bigger act of that takes everybody and not just a few activists. It's going to take communities. Yes, and it seems like language is almost like a portal to understanding and connecting with the past, like a bridge to the past, but also it's it's a bridge to the future and a way to connect generations. And in your film, the elders being involved with the young people. Yeah, that that was very important with the film is that um, we really we really wanted to make sure that no one person was the center. You know, we we have the arches of the arcs of stories, but everybody's story was influenced by the community around them, by the other generations around them. You know, um, my story, you get to see how I'm connected to my grandfather and then how that has affected my father and then how I get to come back around and, and do my part in the story. You know, you get to see how other people's grandparents had influenced them in their work. And um, I don't know, I, I kind of get emotional thinking about it because it's just, um, that's one thing that I I, I really at the heart of everything, wanted to make sure it was very clear is that the love of community and family and the intergenerational healing that has to take place can be an act of love. It can be an act of um, community. It can be an act of, of reclamation. And hopefully that comes across in a way that uh, really inspires people to do their own work in that way. As a community, to get what you need and continue on, you have to work together and you have to continue that work and do your part. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean Duncan, for speaking with us today about We Will Speak. It's going to be happening Thursday, June 15th, 3.30, Water's Edge Cinema, and then also again Saturday, June 17th at 6 p.m. Thank you for being part of our Provincetown International Film Festival, and thank you so much for making this film. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at mazinmusic.com. That's M-A-E-S-Y-N.